Uh, one ticket for And Why Not, please. Three of the And Why Not 90s comic book movie miniseries. Uh, it's the movie podcast from the nerds who haunt themselves. Um, yeah, so every Tuesday for the last couple of weeks and the next few weeks, uh, we've been bringing you a different guest talking about a different comic book movie. Uh, we've still got The Rocketeer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Crow to come. Um, and we've previously covered Dick Tracy and The Shadow, so you can find those in the feed if you haven't listened to them yet. Um, but for this third episode... I was joined by Captain Cosmic creator Andy Cliff to discuss the 1996 film version of The Phantom. Um, again, I love this film, so I love talking about it with Andy. Um, I hope you enjoy listening to it. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it for this introduction, so let's roll the episode. Just take a look around. Darkness rules the Earth. In a dangerous world. Governments crumble. Chaos reigns. In a treacherous time. There is opportunity in chaos. Evil is a fact. We shall succeed where they have failed. Drax is on a quest for a supernatural power. They know far too much. And courage. Stop them. You're the only one who can. Is a phantom. Somebody I already killed. There are some who say he is only a myth. Soon they will discover the Phantom is real. Uh, hello, Andy. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How's uh, lockdown life and everything treating you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, working away, you know, in my my studio, doodling and drawing and stuff, and uh, being a dad. <laughs> that's uh, that's it, really. How about you? Uh, yeah, much the same. Uh, less drawing at the moment because we've got house stuff going on, but I'm waiting. Once one bit's done, I'll finally have my own drawing board and a proper little setup that I'll probably never use. But <laughs> cool. It's more about knowing it's there. Oh, I'll still yeah. sit in front of the telly and doodle instead of actually <laughs> I totally sit down and properly using it. But yeah. <laughs> just don't tell the wife. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's uh, like I say, otherwise, nothing ever really changes for me. Fair enough. <laughs> happily sort of found my rhythm and I'm happy plodding on in it yeah yeah I definitely agree with that found found my rhythm too you know through all of this and uh yeah just sort of keeping your head down keeping safe and that sort of stuff and keeping working my kids aren't teenagers yet either so I don't have that drama to deal with (laughs) same same (laughs) so (laughs) I like to think I'm just reserving all my energy for when that kicks off but Hopefully it won't, but you never know. I was a teenager, so I know what it was like. <laughs> yeah, I, I openly admit I have no idea what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm lucky. At least I got boys. <laughs> yes. No. I I I have a little girl. So. <laughs> yeah. I think the stress is slightly less with boys, or different stress anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. That's that thing. I've I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I say it's an adventure finding out, isn't it? Very true. Very true. But anyway, yeah. So. For this episode, we're going to be talking about the Phantom, the 1996 Billy Zane starrer. Um, a couple of brief bits about the film. Um, it was written by Jeffrey Baum, based on characters created by Lee Falk, uh, directed by Simon Winzer, uh, released in the US in, on the 7th of June 1996, released in this country on the 21st of February 1997, uh, grossed just under 18 well 17,323,000 uh, 17 million sorry 323,000 and change worldwide on an estimated budget of 45 million so lost money on release i think it made it's done well on home release and everything though mm. um film was discussed on episode 142 of how did this get made um where they ripped the shit out of it um as is the want for that podcast but an entertaining kind of thing. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film three and a half stars out of four, saying the movie is wonderfully entertaining, red-blooded and rousing, and with a production design that makes it uncommonly handsome. The movie is also smashingly entertaining uh, on the story level, which I would agree with. Yeah, me too. Um, weirdly, a lot of these films we're doing in this series, Roger Ebert liked, with the exception of one we'll get to later. But <laughs> that's a different episode. Um but um yeah so sort of let's go back to the beginning how did you discover the phantom was it through the comics or no 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 like most kids um that were like born in the 80s my introduction to the phantom came with defenders of the earth um yeah like you know power of 10 tigers and all that you know uh teaming up with flash gordon and then the mandrake and 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 uh lothor and all that and uh, I, I thought it was one of the greatest things i'd ever seen you know the, the purple um, um suit and everything like that and the, the strength and the and he was one of the first superheroes really i was introduced to anyway i mean i i don't even really remember flash gordon from that show too much um it was all about the phantom for me uh and then after they always just stayed with me um and then of course i found the film later but uh, no it was all about defenders of the earth the the big question on defenders of the earth then is did you have a phantom figure i didn't then i do now no. <laughs> see i have vague recollections of owning it but the only one i ever distinctly remember owning is mandrake ah oh, yeah see that's awesome i kind of love that and when you go back to it and you think about uh, defenders of the earth you know these the collection of these ultra old golden age characters that predate everyone we're seeing in cinema now um and just being brought together for this mad cartoon crossover that completely took them out of their own you know mandrake the magician being on telly <laughs> it's just like mad had his own figure um but yeah no i've definitely got the phantom now it, it was the avengers endgame of our day wasn't it definitely so. man definitely but yeah no i'm the same as you it was defenders of the earth and then i remember on bbc one in the afternoon in the early 90s they used to show phantom 2040 as well yeah i didn't watch that i don't remember that at all like um i've seen a bit of it here and there since but uh, no i didn't get to that one it, it i got was... really into it the design of the phantom where he's really long and thin yeah yeah really captured my imagination for some reason 
Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that series. Um, I think it's all. Somebody had said it is all on YouTube, but I haven't actually looked oh, into it. They're all on YouTube, but uh, defenders. Whether it's the legally Earth, or not, so I'm not well, endorsing it. But <laughs> defenders of the Earth is all on um, Pluto TV, which is like this, you know, free app you can download, like legally. Like I think it's something to do with IMDb or something. Um, but they have like this retro tunes channel where they just play every single episode of a series all the way through like 24 hours a day uh, awesome. and and every so often it's it's defenders of the earth so i'd sort of like turn it on i'm just like some random episode and it's like on for the whole day cool i've still got my vhs of defenders of the earth the first three episodes that they cut together i don't can't yeah. remember they actually cut them together as a movie or whether they just play one after the other on the video no they they did they did do that because Pluto TV do that as well. And they'll play nice. like the TV movies. They'll have like some weird name, but it's just like three episodes cut together. But they definitely did that. Because that first episode was dark with Flash Gordon's wife dying and everything. Yeah. And it's like not just some boy, you know, Dale Aldrin, <laughs> one of the main characters of the, from Flash Gordon. Kill her off straight away. It's like, whoa. It's like, you, you know, we're kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but yeah. Um, yeah. And then like you, I didn't. Well, it was years later for me. To, it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I finally dusted off the DVD and put it in the player that I actually watched it. Oh, really? Um, yeah, for whatever reason. I'd owned it on DVD for a while and just hadn't watched it. And I, I don't remember it coming out of the cinema around here. Yeah. I remember seeing ads for it in comics and the Billy Zane got milk dressed yeah. as the Phantom with the milk yeah. moustache in the DC comics I used to get at the time. But yeah, I don't remember ever seeing it playing at the cinema. It seemed to sort of quietly slip out and disappear. Yeah, yeah. We we didn't see it we, in my hometown. We didn't have a cinema at that point, um, and um, like the closest cinema was like well far away, and there was no way my dad was going to take us to see the Phantom because you know he wasn't going to be interested. Um, <laughs> so it was uh, something that came out uh when it I, I came to later probably in my teens or like late teens or whatever when i finally got to watch it because i was like oh they made a movie the phantom i'm gonna check that out because by that point i'd sort of read a few of the strips and kind of got more into it and uh it was i was just like this is this is it this this is this is genius this film because like you said in that review is it's just it's it's just entertaining it's just unapologetically entertaining it doesn't need you kind of leaving more it doesn't need a sequel it's just here's a, a really entertaining story that is not that complicated not very well not that in depth hour and a half done action yeah what's well, it it's it's wonderfully light-hearted it's got a feel of like the 40s 50s serials that used to get on a saturday morning yeah definitely that is a, yeah that's a really good way of putting it yeah and it's uh yeah like i say it's as, as forgettable as it is <laughs> it's wonderfully entertaining when it's on the first few times after the first time i watched it i was like struggling to remember some of the plot of this but that makes it also more the joy when you go back and rewatch it that's exactly it i and i would say that that was sort of a kind of quite in keeping with that sort of kind of pulpish um style really or like like the serials um like 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 you mentioned i i think that was kind of part of its charm it 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 didn't take itself too seriously it's it's quite campy in places it's just 
you know, here's a story. It's not complicated. Good versus evil. Got to stop it. He does stop it. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, off we go. And I'm like, yes, that's all you need sometimes. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's got wonderful bits of humour in it. Yes. The right, I mean, the whole, you know, this is a shit full of women. ship full of women all my pilots are women interesting excuse me i think my favorite bit is the bit with jimmy wells when they're all in the office yeah and he introduces himself to kit walker and kit walker introduces himself as kit walker and it's like he realizes who he is and what he means to um <laughs> diana and he just walks away <laughs> and well, that bit's wonderfully played by john tenney <laughs> yeah i mean I think what's what I like about it is it, it was very in keeping with the 90s. I think there was a bit of um, there was a bit of a pulp renaissance, if that's the right word, in the 90s for, um, for, for that era. I mean, we got like, you know, Dick Tracy, we got The Shadow um, and then, of course, we got The Phantom. Um, but more than that, we got sort of like the modern pulps with like uh, The Rocketeer and the mummy movies and there was sort of like this appetite for kind of like pulp action heroes and what was really lovely was that they they went back and chose some of these characters from back in those that time and sort of tried to reintroduce them to the uh to the uh you know the audiences of you know the masses and stuff and i'd probably say you know things like indiana jones had a big hand in that obviously in the 80s coming through and people were still looking for that kind of actiony pulpy kind of hero and uh the phantom was ripe for that and i think they did a, honestly you think they did a wonderful job we you know some of the characters okay a lot of the characters in the movie don't go past one dimension really no, i think I could, that works in its favor though to be honest i totally agree I totally again agree. if you're going for that pulpy feel that's exactly what you want they should be the uh it's like um some it was either a view or and something i saw about it where they're like you know there's no real difference between kit walker and the phantom and yeah like, but that's fine it's like i love the bit where billy zane puts his hands on his hips when he's kit walker and he realizes what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> exactly and, and billy zane was just he was made for it you know i, I read that he he'd been introduced to um phantom comics back in like the late 80s and he absolutely loved them and then when the time came for the movie he kind of really lobbied for it um and uh, i also read that he got so into it they made like a, a muscle suit for him but by the time he came to play it he didn't need it yeah um and then he to make sure sh- to make sure that he fit in the suit perfectly he shaved his head yeah so that's they ha- yeah so they have the thing f- i read that the scene at the end of the film where he takes the mask off is um they shot that first yeah um, had to do it backwards so that it's he had hair when he takes it off and then it's him in a wig yeah it's a fucking good wig as well yeah i mean but the thing is they had to shoot all the stuff in new york where he had hair but <laughs> and then all the stuff in the in you know in 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 the jungle with um you know him in the suit afterwards and i'm just like that's that's commitment all because he was like i want to fit in that suit i want it to look real i don't want it to look ridiculous and i'm like mate you're wearing a giant purple onesie <laughs> 
but in the jungle in the jungle but you know what you don't look ridiculous you look amazing yeah i mean we have been incredibly spoiled over the past what decade and a half of absolutely phenomenally designed superhero suits haven't we from like marvel d i mean dc films all this sort of stuff all the superhero suits that we've had on screen via cgi or costume design or you know mix and match but when, so when you go back and you watch things like the phantom you're like this should look ridiculous and maybe to some people it does but to me i'm just like it looks perfect he looks like the phantom and he doesn't look out of place and i think maybe because they set it in the 30s still like that yeah that worked but and had they set it in the modern day like they did for that awful reboot that they tried in the late um in like 2008 i don't know if you ever saw that i've not seen it that was the sci-fi it was meant to be a miniseries wasn't it but they cut it into two movies or something yeah well it was meant to be a backdoor pilot it was meant to be the pilot for a tv show um and it's just bad um yeah i nearly bought it on dvd and i was like i just can't bring myself to do it life's too short (laughs) i did i did i watched it and i was just like this is this is bad. This is a bad thing you people have done and you should feel bad about it. Um, because it's just like, I mean, all you've got to do is Google it to see the suit and you just think. Yeah. Where? It looks like he's got a weird helmet on, doesn't it? Yeah. It kind of looks like he's, you know, he's like someone in the Hurt Locker or something. Do you know what I mean? Like he's going to do bomb disposal. You just look at it and you just think, where where did you come to that? Where, where You know, when you look at the design that Lee Falk did back in the 30s, which all the way through has not changed apart from, obviously, they've lost the... Uh, the, the 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 sort of stripy uh, pants yeah uh, which we don't miss um the general suit hasn't changed in nearly 90 years but you know then they come along in the late in, in the late noughties and they're just like mate we're gonna update this and oh god <laughs> you know right. yeah just because it couldn't have been a budget thing it couldn't have been cheaper to have that suit than it did no it a was, billy zane type suit because i mean just, it's great that they went for that style of suit as well. That's that and the Flash TV series, the John Wesley Ship one. Yes. Probably two of my favourite superhero costumes on screen. Yeah, and I mean there are I, I, I sort of say there's, there's there are certain costumes from from superheroes that don't look good or I have not seen look good in a realistic setting. So like um, Green Lantern, for example, you yeah. know in the comics it looks amazing, and then you see someone wearing a Green Lantern cosplay and they kind of look like they're wearing spandex and you're just like, <laughs> not sure about that. Um, in to a point, Judge Dredd is another one because if you look at the Judge Dredd suit from the Stallone film, I would argue that's probably the most accurate Judge Dredd yeah. costume we've had in live action. And it just looks weird, really. I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I love that movie. Um, but it still looks off it off the page whereas when you take the carl urban suit like that makes more sense yeah you know, it was a bit know. like the whole thing they had with x-men wasn't it the blue exactly. and yellow spandex looks good exactly. on a page but you start but, chucking people in it but then, but then and i would have argued that the flash was a very similar problem but then as you point out the 90s flash suit it just works it just it just works it you wear it it, it looks good it looks it just it shouldn't but it does and it's the same with the the phantom suit it's just like it's it's accurate apart from the you know the pants but yeah but i think it, billy zane was the perfect build for it as well oh my god he was just because he yeah. looks 
muscular but lean at the same time. It's kind of my problem with when you get a really big bulked up Superman. It's like that's oh, not what I, Superman should look like. Oh. I knew you were gonna you were gonna say that because you're absolutely right. Um, you, you, your Superman shouldn't be like a He-Man figure. You know, he should be uh, a Christopher Reeve. You know, yeah. a, a guy who is built. You know, obviously he's got muscles. Um, but he just looks like a regular, slightly muscular guy. And it's the same with the Phantom. And Billy Zane was absolutely perfect for that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I say, Billy Zane's great. I know um, in one of his books, Bruce Campbell talks about that he was considered for the role. Yeah. I can't remember whether he actually auditioned for it or was just, which I would have loved to have seen, but I can't imagine anybody other than Billy Zane. No, I, I, I read somewhere, too, that, that, that uh, Bruce Campbell was uh, either wanted to do it or, you know, or something like that. that. And, it's, you know, he's got the chin, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think he would have looked good visually. Uh, I don't know whether he would have been able to pull off. I mean, I, you know, this is just personal, obviously. Um, I don't know whether he would have been able to pull off the charm. There's just something about it, because obviously Billy Zane went from the Phantom into Titanic. Yeah where he played almost like the anti-Kit Walker, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he well, yeah, to the had... point where it's like, you know, I don't really know if I want to watch The Phantom, because <laughs> Billy Zane's really doing that and dead calm. It's like, there's nothing about him I see as hero- uh, heroic. Yeah. So but... I love Billy Zane, the guy. Whenever I've seen him interviewed, and he used to have a column in Empire where it was your pal Billy Zane or something like that, <laughs> where it was like an advice column. Right. Which I was like, that's so Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like I say, yeah, when he's got that sort of ability to be you know, charming and, and you know, uh, very upper class almost. I mean, he, he did it in um, in the early 90s in Twin Peaks, played this wonderfully charming, you know, debonair kind of character that just sort of swarmed, you know, just, just swanned into town and just sort of knocked everyone off their feet kind of thing uh, with charm. Um, and he has he just has that ability. And, yeah, the Phantom kind of needed that, I think. Yeah. And, uh he did it. <laughs> Wait, this is this is a, about the Phantom movie, and not how much we love Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> um, on the Billy Zane thing, I remember reading a review at the time when the film came out that it must have been either Empire or Total Film because they were the two film magazines I was getting. Yeah. But it was um, that it seemingly based his entire performance on Val Kilmer's "Chicks Love the Car," <laughs> bit from Batman Forever, and I was like, I think they meant that as an insult, but I can kind of see. No, that's actually a really good choice for yeah, the Phantom. Yeah, that's actually yeah. probably playing that character spot on. Because when you think of, if you break the Phantom down, it is ridiculous. It's a guy in a purple suit in the jungle. But yeah, no, when you break it down to simplified fashions, but the true, when you break down the trueness of the Phantom, which is the lineage and the yeah. legacy, and that for me has been a huge influence on my work that's probably where the character of the phantom has really had the impact on me um and that's been you know very much in my book captain cosmic about the idea of um legacy passing it down there being multiple you know kit in kit is always you know in the phantom is always portrayed as the 21st phantom um you know and his father obviously is in the film as well the previous phantom and it's all to give you a good yeah yeah, and it's all to give the idea that the Phantom is immortal, uh, which, you know, they do, uh, which, when you think about it, it's kind of a silly thing, because, uh, you know... Like, well, yeah, you when know, you got James Romargo and I killed you... <laughs> it's like, it's dude, like, you, could, you could see it was an older guy, right? Did you not get a look at the previous guy? 
I kind of love that though. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of, no, it's just yeah. It's the whole myth of it, isn't it? It's... Well, exactly, exactly. The whole idea that it's this this legend and it's this you know the ghost who walks because he's ageless and 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 things like that. And I just think that's that's phenomenal, and uh, I wanted that. I wanted that legacy kind of idea in my book that you know the the the, the mantle of Captain Cosmic will be passed down. Yeah. And it, there will always be uh, a Captain Cosmic and there has always been a Captain Cosmic. And it's kind of the same thing. And that's one of the, the things that the Phantom's been hugely influenced on me for that. Yeah, no, I mean, having read Captain Cosmic, that massively makes sense. And show, I mean, I love stuff like that as well. Yeah. I always love the idea of a Batman story where it was like several generations down and Dick yeah. Grayson had been Batman and yeah. Tim Drake had become Nightwing and... So everybody yeah, moved yeah. along one kind of thing yeah yeah so. and it, it's just like it's, and, and one of the, the, the clever things that lee fork did with that was it it had longevity and it, it had this sort of built-in successor always well the yeah. next one's going to be uh the phantom and you know you, 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 as as writers will find you know write uh, find out whoever wrote the phantom the idea of you know let's go into the future what's the what's the 25th phantom about what's the what's the 30th phantom about hey let's go back in time and see what the 15th phantom was like do you know what i mean like yeah there are all of these characters like as soon as they said kit walker 21st phantom you're like well there are 20 before him who were they you know so you've got all of this court sort of like area the you know story that you can mine and 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 and, and look into and, and the possibilities are endless all from this idea of hey it's a legacy you know oh, genius really absolutely genius and uh yeah i kind of totally took it <laughs> <laughs> like you say it's a great idea i mean for me the phantom always feels right in the 30s yes um yeah. as much as i enjoyed 2014 it did work surprisingly well in that animated series it's just if i think phantom i always think 30s same with dick tracy rocketeer all of those yes. I, can't, I struggle to imagine them outside of that sense. indiana jones as well Oh, it's sort totally. of one of my problems with Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. It felt slightly out of place. Well, that like, time-wise. Yeah, I think that comes down to the pulp aspect, isn't it? Because yeah. pulp, when people try and do pulp stuff in present day, like did you ever see like the uh, the Flash TV show that they did in like again like the late noughties where they tried to reboot? Uh, sorry, not the Flash, sorry, Flash Gordon. Yeah. Um, yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah. The it, last Dick Tracy comic series they did as well. The, a couple of the wanted uh, the dead or alive and dick yeah. tracy forever whatever it was they had a weird dick tracy still kind of 30s ish but it's got modern technology in it and it's like it's not gelling right for me yeah i i actually kind of liked those but i do get what you mean it's that sort of um the clash of yeah uh, i enjoyed yeah. them it's just again a bit like kingdom of the crystal skulls i'm enjoying this but something feels off yeah i get that i get that and i think maybe you're right with with the phantom there's that sort of aspect of you know how would that character work i mean it obviously worked in defenders of the earth but there was something about that yeah there was a quite a sci-fi element as well i think that yeah but i think think everybody was sort of out of place in that weren't they and exactly because and because everybody was out i mean you you know you had him with a magician yeah so it was just like okay and we were kids so we were like this is covering all the bases we've got sci-fi we've got you know a jungle hero we've got magicians when you start to think about it it's like it's a dude in a top hat and a 
dinner jacket in space. (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) I'd love to have been in that pitch meeting. (laughs) That would have been immense. And it worked and we loved it. Um, But yeah, I totally agree with that. I think there is that. So even though I kind of just blabbed on about that whole kind of idea of scope of modern stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have the options though, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of it's nice to have the options. But, and again, with the right story, a set on a pirate ship version of the Phantom or mm-hmm. a Phantom at War story would be quite interesting. There was they did one, didn't they? And I, and I did read some of it and I can't remember what they did one a, a little while ago with um Alex Ross did the covers, uh the last Phantom. And I did look it up recently and I was going to read it. But that's a story that sounds quite interesting. The the last one, you know, um, who's going to carry on um, that kind of thing. And in fact, actually, that made me remember um, the book they did a number of years ago, King's Watch. All right. Where Phantom, he dies at the end. Spoiler. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and Lothor takes it on. It's basically Defenders of the Earth. It's the same character. Yeah. And, and Lothor takes it on. That's cool. Because no I must admit, knows. I've never really delved into the Phantom comics. You really? Oh, you totally do it. Because, I mean, there's some hits, there's some misses. Like, yeah. with all kind of um, licensed stories, you know, with people kind of, you know, when it jumps from publisher to publisher, because it was like DC, Dynamite, all that lot. Um, they've all got good ones, they've all got bad ones, but they're, they're worth a read, they're, you know. Yeah. No, I think I've got a couple, just like picked up over the years um same with the shadow ones i've got a couple of those yeah um but a bit like i said to alan when we did the shadow episode i think because i saw the film first yep and sort of particularly with the shadow that's sort of my reference point for the shadow so anything that doesn't quite sit in with the film yeah no i'll definitely have to dip into some phantom comics Um, oh it's weird being a comics guy as well i should it should be my first thing. It'd be like, cool, they made a movie, but it's a comic. But the thing about it is, I mean, the Phantom was, you know, he's a comic strip character, yeah. wasn't he? And then, of course, you know, the media with the, you know, uh, the serials and then um, the jump to the big screen with, you know, in the 90s and stuff. A lot of our, when, and cartoons, a lot of our reference, especially in like the UK, where we can't always get to comic bookshops that easily if we're kids. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot when we see things that are on the screen, like we associate it with the screen. So like when I saw Phantom, I saw it in, um, I saw him in Defense of the Earth. So for me, he was a cartoon character for most of my life. So yeah, I, I like the comics, but I can understand why someone would associate something with the screen and therefore not massively jump into the comics. Like you said, with the, the shadow and things like that, because like you love this version. And well, so I think that, there's that weird thing as well that you read the comic, like they got that film completely fucking wrong, didn't they? Uh, that, that, now I get why everybody hates it. I hate it when that happens, man. That happens with uh, 30 days, 30 days of night. Yeah. I watched that film in the cinema without reading the books. So I was like, this is quite a good horror movie. I'm kind of into it. And then I read the books and I was like, that film's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they miss so much out what are they doing <laughs> i hate that i don't ever want that to happen it's one of the no, worst things i'm kind of at the point now where if you're going to make a film of a comic i quite like much prefer you to go off and do your own thing keep the core principle of the character kind of thing but do your yeah. own shit i don't yeah. need to see the comic on the screen just your interpretation of it and they and they did kind of do that with the phantom actually coming back to it because um in my my research they um they sort of adapted a couple of like strip stories but very much sort of did their own things with yeah it. and i kind of dig that 
a lot. Um, and like I say, you know, some uh, some of the characters they uh, they don't go past one dimension. But as we say, that that kind of played into the uh, the the feel of the film. Like Catherine Zeta Jones, who was obviously blowing up at the time yeah. in the mid nineties. I mean, her character is just laughable in some parts. She's like, I'm a femme fatale until I'm not. It. It's and like it's just, I'm good now for reasons. My, my my job is to be the femme fatale until I yeah until reasons and now I'm good and you're like okay. Uh, even like Quill, you know, um, James uh, James Rama, he's just like, I've got the same brotherhood tattoo. Why? <laughs> even at, even at the end, he's just like, oh, when they actually finally bump into the same brotherhood, they're just like. He's like, oh, my brothers, I've got the tattoo. And they're like, oh, okay, we're not going to kill you. And it's like, but why are you in the gang? Did you get it? As a, what, what, why are you, are you saying brotherhood? Because then he kind of turns on them again really, really quickly. And you're just like, so you're, so you're just a henchman. Like, that's who you are. You're just like, I'm a scary henchman. And I, grr. And, and I'm fine with that. It completely works with the film. You know, he's like the physical um, opponent for the Phantom, you know. Uh, Drax is the uh, cerebral kind of, you know, modern villain. He you know, does all the day dealings with like money and behind the scenes and the mob stuff like that. And then you've got uh, Quill, who's like the physical guy. You know, he's the guy who's going to beat people up, and that's fine. That's their jobs. Um, but like you say, sort of adds to the uh, the pulp style of it because back in those days, you know, the serials you'd watch them and then those characters would never appear again. So you don't, yeah. didn't need well, I mean, even the comics at the time when they were being published as strips, they were designed to be like you read it and you forget about it. Yeah. You, you know, you carry enough information over to the next day. Yeah. And, you know, nobody saved newspapers, really. It's no, no. And, those and, whole, well, I mean, comics in general were designed to be read and chucked away. But, uh, it's, it's only in, like, you know, the last few decades that people have been hoarding them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, though, I absolutely loved the uh fake uh myth building in the film like uh so we've got these uh tagungan is it tagungan skulls yeah don't know if i'm saying it right uh we've got these skulls anyway one's jade one's gold whatever one's silver and if you bring them together like all hell breaks loose and uh it's uh you know so we don't want them to do that and uh and this this uh this kind of uh drax guy you know he's all in new york and he's all like a Darkness rules the earth. America is in financial ruin. Europe and Asia are on the brink of self-annihilation. Chaos reigns. But like I've always said, there is opportunity in chaos. And so, my brothers, I give you the skull of Tuganda. This skull is one of three. When all three skulls are united, they will produce a force more powerful than any army on Earth. But you, you've only got the one. Legend has it that if the skulls are separated, two of the skulls will point the way to the third. Like I said, you only got the Raymond, one. Raymond, Ray, Ray, I know the location of the second skull, okay? He's, he's one of those villains. I, I always warm to them. I don't know why, but, you know. That I think because of... it's Trek Williams and he's amazing in it. Yeah, he is. He's that... such a great bad guy. I mean, That's... I like Trek Williams anyway. Yeah. He's in, I love him in Deep Rising. But it's just that whole kind of, I'm just going to be really nice. Even yeah. though I'm murdering you. And you're just because I'm like really got loads of manners. 
um, and he does that whole thing with the uh, the microscope where, you know, he finds out the guy in the library has kind of tipped off the newspaper people that he, that Drax is going to Turn the knob. Yeah, turn the Don't knob. Don't turn that fucking knob. What yeah. are you doing? And then, like, you know, the, the spikes go in the guy's eye. That's it. It just reads like, the word liar, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But all this sort of really brutal stuff that he does with a smile and a, hey, you know, wink and a gun sort of thing. And I'm like, I love that. Um, but he kills one guy in front of his own brother. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, with the... Uh, Chucks the spear at him, does Again, those guys, what are they? Oh, we're 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 mafia mob bosses, and that's all. We're just we're, that's that's their direction. What's my what's my character? You're a mafia mob boss in the thirties, right? Cool. <laughs> that's what you're gonna do. So okay. Do I need to know anymore? Nope. No, no, that's it. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, but uh, but like yes, they get these skulls, and uh, oh, we we got we got to take them somewhere, and uh, and we can rule the world. Cool. <laughs> I love the scene where um, Kit smashes the thing in the the glass in the museum yeah. to get the skull, and then Treat Williams turns up. What's your name? Why do you want that skull so badly? Kit Walker. Ah, and who is Kit Walker? I am. And what about the skull? That'll go well with my drapes. <laughs> the whole exchange is pretty. Like, you're a funny guy. That that there. Oh uh, yeah. There's. Uh, I I yeah. I I took a lot from this film and. And it was influenced me in my first book I did uh, years ago called Bertie Bear, which was uh, basically a monster hunting teddy bear set in the late 30s, uh, basically Indiana Jones, but with a teddy bear and vampires. And it's basically the same story. There's this, uh, you know, there's this, uh, you know, MacGuffin that's got all powerful and we've got to find it before the bad guys. And uh, yeah, I kind of love that sort of repartee of he's a funny guy. That's funny. I'm still going to kill you, but you made me laugh. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love that. Um, but that was another thing as well. Kit, like Kit Walker comes back. He's clearly kind of raised in America, you know, high society and stuff like that. Knows how to deal with all that sort of stuff. But then he has trouble paying things with money. <laughs> and then like he's completely fine going into a museum and just like breaking a window. I mean, breaking a breaking a you know a cabinet to get. It's just like, yes. Well, what's happening here? It's just like cool. when you think about it now, in a movie now, there'd be a whole set piece where they have to come back after it's closed and they've got to break in Mission Impossible style to get it. Oh yeah, and, and I just love the time saving simplicity of like smash the glass. I it's think like, they they almost kind of were probably poking fun at that trope even then. Yeah. Which, yeah, because they even said, you know, we can come back after dark, we can do this. Because even even Drax says, doesn't he, when he's going down there, the police commissioner's just like, we've cordoned it all off, we'll go there after dark. And he's like, no, we're going to go now. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay. But there are people there. So what? <laughs> I do love this thing that he's got this whole idea he's built, this persona of, like, you know, your nice public face. <laughs> but then he's like, you know, I'm at, but I suppose, you know, he's about to take over the world. So who gives a fuck if people think he's a dick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love his line when he's the uh, you know the history is about to be made and you're all part of it, not an equal part of course, but an important <laughs> part nonetheless. Yeah. There's great lines in this film and they're delivered perfectly. Yeah, I mean it's yeah that's the best thing about like it's it's like certain characters were kept one dimensional, but there were other characters that were developed a lot. Like you know, like Drax, um, like the Phantom. I mean, I mean, someone said there's no, you know, there's no difference between um, the Phantom and Kit, the Phantom and Kit Walker, Kit, bleh, Kit Walker. But it's kind of not meant to be. They are kind of meant. To, it's not like a Batman 
Bruce Wayne situation, it is kind of like, this is who I am. You know, I'm the Phantom. My whole family is the Phantom. You know, I, this is who I am. Um, so I kind of love that, that there's no kind of, you know, kind of Phantom voice. Versus yeah. Kip, Kip, Kip Walker. Well, yeah, because it's the whole bit where he gets in Al's cab as the Phantom, isn't it? He's like, what do you want? He's like, I'm a friend of Kip Walker's. It's like, there's nothing. I think it's like, cool costume kit. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm just uh why did you get I'm just uh, I'm a friend of uh, yeah, you know that guy that paid with really, really, really rare <laughs> gems and didn't understand what money was. Uh yeah, I'm I'm his friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, although yeah, to be you're... fair, you'd probably be like, Yeah, no, I can't buy it. <laughs> I think part of the problem that the film suffers from is that you have to go into it knowing what you're going into. I think because it came out in the era of Jurassic Park and yeah. Independence Day and yeah. even Batman Forever, where everything, even though as ridiculous as Independence Day and Batman Forever are, and Jurassic Park to be fair, because it's fucking dinosaurs. Yeah, it sort of played with a seriousness. I think people sort of went in expecting that from yeah, well, the maybe. few people that did go into the fandom. Maybe, yeah. I think it I, means... I think you have to know that you're sitting down to watch a film that's just going to be just balls to the wall fun. Yeah, and silly, and just like don't think, overthink it. Well, you can't. That's the thing. I mean, we've we've sort of analysed it quite a lot here, and kind of gone, well, that was stupid. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And you know what? Like, even then, we're just like, yeah, but we know that, and we love it. But I think you're right. I think it's very easy to look back on it now and kind of go, well, that was awesome. But back in the '90s, you're right. You've got all these huge blockbuster, giant films like coming out around that period. And people who probably went into that going, what? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, weirdly, they didn't seem to know how to market it because they had two posters. They had the Slam Evil one, mm. which I really like. And if you saw that poster and then went in expecting something else, you got a, it's like the slang, the like, strap line literally is <laughs> Slam Evil. Yeah. It's like you're not going in for a think piece. But and then the other one was the um, picture of him sat in the cave on the chair. Yeah, on the chair. Which, which is a poster. When I worked at Tesco's, when the videos came out, yeah, they used to send us the posters, even though they never put them up in Tesco's of what was yeah. coming. So I've got in the loft. I got about seven of those Phantom posters. I have one up on my bedroom wall for years, even before I'd seen the film, because I just loved that poster. And then when the Black Panther one came out, I was yeah. like, that's that's the Phantom poster with the Black Panther. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's it's a wonderful image. Like I do, I know that image. It's 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 but absolutely it, beautiful. It sets a sort of different tone for the film. I think. I You're think the Slam right. Evil poster lets you know what you're going in for. The brooding phantom sat in his chair like Bruce Wayne in the Batcave. Yeah. Makes you think a little bit more like you're going to get a Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah, you're right. You're right, actually. Um, I mean, it's very again, it's very easy now to look back on that and kind of go well it's the phantom i mean it's quite a phantom-esque image yeah but you're right it tonally that is not good marketing at all um the slam evil one where he's like punching yeah. you know the ring because you get in the phantom ring and all that jazz but and that that works but yeah you're right as a marketing tool that it's that's... one of those movies that could have really done from a proper drew struzan yeah painted poster yeah, i agree I agree completely. And it's like I read as well um, that apparently Billy Zane signed up for 
three pictures. Yeah. It was meant to be the beginning of a, of a trilogy that, that obviously didn't happen. And, and I'll be honest, I'm glad it didn't um, because there are certain films and Dick Tracy's another one. Like, yep. I mean, I love Dick Tracy. It's, it's probably my top five movies of all time, which I know is insane, really, when you think about no, it. No, it's, yeah. it's one of my all-time favourites. Yeah. Um, funny yeah. enough, that was the episode we did last night. Yeah. And I mean, I, I could talk about that movie forever. Um, but, I, again, I'm glad that there wasn't another one. I just don't know where you could have gone after that. Well, that Same with this film. Yeah. It's like, really, where do we go next? I mean, I possibly got a bit more leeway with the Phantom for other adventures, but Dick Tracy, I know the idea was going to be Dick Tracy Goes to War. That was the follow-up novel that Max yeah. Allen Collins did. But it's just kind of like, it just wouldn't feel like Dick Tracy then. Yeah, and, and I don't think the Phantom needed a follow-up. What's he going to no, do? Oh, we're going to hang out with uh, Diana Palmer some more, are you? Same oh, with The Shadow. Okay. It's, like, it's a perfectly yeah. fine one and done. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's like um, whether a sequel would have sort of cemented it more as a viable franchise, I don't know, but I don't need it. I mean, I've said it before on a different episode, so I apologise to listeners who hear me repeat myself, but everybody sort of says now is the golden age of comics, but in the 90s, they were doing really interesting things with really interesting characters. Well, I absolutely. And absolutely. shit they'd never do now, because it would never get through a focus group. Oh, 100%, 100%. And again, I would say that the best the majority of the best comic book movies from the 90s were these pulp these pulp um characters coming back i know you've got your batman the ones that were largely overlooked at the time right dick tracy had quite a big audience but like the rocketeer as well the rocketeer is another one that's like where would you go now anyway yeah you don't yeah Um, so we've had dark it's done yeah i totally agree with you like the idea of needing a franchise it's just i I mean, I get it because you can make more money and studios at the end of the day, movie is a business. They want to make money. And I get that. I do. Um, but from a storytelling point of view, it, it did the job. It yeah. didn't, doesn't need a sequel. Um, and you're right. The Rocketeer didn't need a sequel. Uh, Dick Tracy didn't need a sequel. Shadow didn't need a sequel. Um, the Mummy got a sequel and those films got progressively worse <laughs> yeah i said i had a conversation with somebody the other day because i finally rewatched the mummy because um i found out deep rising was on disney plus finally right and i love that film it's the same director and um so i watched the mummy first and was going to do it as a double bill and i'd forgotten how good the mummy is i think because my memory i've never seen the third one but my memory of the second one being a bit of a slog kind yeah. of tarnished the first yeah. one yeah, in my memory by retrospect it's like that film is wonderfully good fun it is so good fun and the, the second one's quite it's all right it's quite good it, yeah it's, it's just i didn't like the 10 year time jump and no and the third one the third one's not great it's okay it's not it's not awful it's not an awful film it's just not great um you know they i think always... i've got it because i think it worked out cheaper to buy all three together on blu-ray yeah. than just get the first one on its own i actually went on a bit of a mission uh, for years I'll say years, probably about a year actually, where I was like, I'm gonna buy the uh, the mummy on DVD, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend that much money. So I just went into like secondhand shops, and uh, and I did this I did this for a couple of years, and uh, I'm man and I, I remember my my wife being like, oh, you finally done it when I managed to get the last mummy <laughs> movie in like some like CX or whatever it was. <laughs> I was just like, yes, got it, uh, and I paid like I don't know pound. Or something like that for it, and I'm just like, yes. There's something about a scavenger hunt that I really like. Um, But uh, yeah, again, they that that was sort of proof, really, that. And I know they're not 
they didn't have like the breadth of the, the the comic books behind them or the serials or whatever like like the other characters that we've mentioned have but they have they had that sort of pulp you know indiana jones-esque vibe to them i mean interestingly enough going back to the phantom i mean simon winter the director of the phantom you know he he pretty much worked on loads of young indiana jones yeah so he had that vision of being able to bring this sort of pulp style you know um adventure joe johnson was attached beforehand wasn't he that doesn't surprise me at all which again the director of the rocketeer and well and uh, of course multiple other well first avenger yeah captain america first avenger which in my eyes is still one of the greatest superhero movies ever um and again i think he's just got that ability to produce that sort of wholesome action hero in a retro um setting and make it feel authentic i want to say that like slightly up at the end (laughs) because it's like kind of authentic because it's still modern but you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah no i think i mean i think his name was attached to the mummy for a long time as well because obviously that film had been in development for years it's almost like the 90s was a testing of different pulp properties before the mummy was the one that finally hit well, that's we it, tried it, Tracy. We tried the Rocketeer. We tried the Shadow. We tried the Phantom. Try the Mummy. I think that. I think the reason that that was probably the one that hit was because we know that the Mummy is this obviously this this universal, um, you know, obviously not just hit universal, but you know, monster. Um, but they didn't sort of lean into that. They sort of lent into lent into the the action adventure. Yeah. But because it didn't have, because it didn't go that way, people didn't kind of associate it with the older stuff so they didn't it, it felt like this fresh new thing even though it was the mummy yeah um and it kind of tried it from a different angle we got like you know that indiana keeps saying that indiana jones-esque action yeah that is, and, that is the template for any whole yeah. property though isn't it these days yeah. And, yeah. and i mean that had the thing of the you know um then revolutionary special or not revolutionary but then state-of-the-art special effects of like you yeah know, the mummy's face in the sand yeah yeah which still holds up oh it does it totally does um whereas obviously and yeah are... brendan fraser who's again like billy zane in the, yeah. in the phantom is just wonderfully cast and knows exactly what he should be doing with the role both both actors in the 90s i think could have made passable supermen yeah I'm... in early 2000s i was like putting together not that i was ever going to send it off but just like my bible for what a superman movie should be yeah and you know i had a list of directors and my one superman choice was brendan fraser because they were like kicking around different names like ben affleck and i was like brendan fraser is right there yeah 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 i think he did i think he could have done it quite nicely um when you look at him back in the day and you see the same and the same with billy zane i mean jesus they both got jaws that could sink the titanic do you know what i mean like you can just (laughs) I mean, I'm not convinced that Billy Zane didn't sink the Titanic. <laughs> oh, mate, I can't believe I, did, I didn't make that connect. I just did that, didn't I? <laughs> it's all right. I picked it up. Completely by accident. Um, freely admit it. Um, but yeah, yeah, there was definitely an appetite for it, I think, from, from filmmakers at least, to try and make it happen. Um, and it's a shame that a lot of them didn't do as well. I know that a lot of them have done well 
on home releases and become like cult followings and stuff like that. Obviously, Dick Tracy was always going to have that sort of Hollywood. I mean, when you watch that film and you see the cast in that film, I don't think there is a comic book movie that's ever had that many A-listers in it that weren't that didn't become A-listers because of comic book movies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were just like bona fide like A-listers, and you go through and some of them are in cameos. You know, James Caan's in it for like a scene. You know what I mean? And like you're just like it's like Catherine O'Hara's in it. I know she's not a massive A-lister, but yeah, it's still a name, and she doesn't even have a speaking part. She's in two scenes, I think. She's Ka- in the Ka- meeting scene, and then she gets arrested. <laughs> Kathy Bates, she's in it. Um, yeah. You know, obviously Dick Van Dyke. You've got Dustin Hoffman. You've got all of you've got this huge range, and and it's a comic book movie. But it's like Warren Beatty rung them up and went, "Let's do it," and they all went, "Yeah, all right." No other comic book movie is ever going to be able to have that pulling power in the same way. I think the only one he couldn't get was Gene Hackman, who was like, because he wouldn't work with Gene, um, Warren Beatty again. Ah, so there's well. no fucking way I will work with you again. <laughs> I don't know what went on on Reds, but... Something happened, something went down. But, um, but you know, now, you know, comic book movies make... Well, I say make stars. They, they're obviously attract, attracting big names now because they're these billion-dollar franchises but yeah. um back in the 90s they couldn't they couldn't do that you know the fans you know billy zane wasn't a particularly i would say i mean he, i wouldn't say he was a nobody but i wouldn't say he was this household name oh, he definitely wasn't an a-lister i mean no. i don't know i'm not even sure who your biggest star is in the phantom and that's no disrespect to any of the cast no no exactly exactly He's not got a tentpole name sort of in that no no and that's always gonna which is yeah. bold because at least with like superman you had the name recognition of superman so well you yeah. can cast a relative unknown or completely yeah. unknown you can do that and the and the phantom is clearly not was not in the uh the uh the public consciousness at the time in the same way but um one of the things that, one of the things that will always allow me to see past this movie's flaws which i freely admit it's got them is that at least we got it yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's one of the reasons why I can watch the Ben Affleck Daredevil film um, and enjoy it in a way. I mean, I know we've got the Netflix series, which I uh, I do believe is superior in a lot of ways. But before we got that, you know, we got a Daredevil movie. Is it perfect? No. But we got one. I think you're a lot like me that was just so happy there was something comic book up on the screen. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I'll, I'll fucking take it. Yeah, I will. And and it's like know, it's not all gold, but no. And it, it is what it is. <laughs> it's the same with the Green Lantern film. You know, is it brilliant? No. Can I watch it? Enjoy it? Yes, because we've got a Green Lantern film. And as I say, that has drawn me a lot of heat over the years uh, for liking that film. Um, I believe I got mocked by a DC artist once by uh, who will remain nameless. Uh, who said that I was the only person he'd ever met who liked the Green Lantern movie. Um, and uh, that's fine. <laughs> because in my mind, we got a Green Lantern film. That's it. It's it's a fine film. Not as in, it, you know, it's fine. I mean, the literal definition of it is it's fine. Yes, it's fine. I mean, the dialogue... It's is a perfectly terrible. enjoyable two hours. It's ne- it didn't change my life. No. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, I was already a Green Lantern fan, so... It, it probably wouldn't have sent me down the rabbit hole of Green Lantern like Tim Burton's Batman did with Batman. Exactly, but, exactly. But it was fine, and at least they were trying something different to Batman. Exactly, exactly. It wasn't a serious, grumpy, whatever. It was, yeah. Um, 
and like I say, with the Phantom, we got a Phantom movie. You know, we may never ever get a Phantom film again, which I can't see how we will. I know that every so often they're just like, oh no, no, there's one in development. Is there? Okay, <laughs> you know. See, yeah, part of me wonders if that's a bit like the Warren Beatty, Dick Tracy thing, where it's like you announce it every so often just so you can hold on to the rights. <laughs> oh yeah, he did that. Like he did that. Um, interview. That weird interview, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, uh, and I'm I'll... waiting for the Billy Zane one where it's just Billy Zane as the Phantom being interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd watch it, mate. Do you know what? I'd watch it. I'm putting it out there now. Billy, do it. I will watch it. I'd happily watch Billy Zane come back as the Phantom. <laughs> Again, this is yeah. not an episode of Billy Zane Love Fest, but it's kind well, of. I mean, it kind of is because yeah. it has to be a little bit. Because if you can't get behind Billy Zane as the Phantom, you probably shouldn't watch it. Yeah, please, please, please don't come out on social media and do something bad, Billy yeah. Zane. After yeah. this, <laughs> we've already got one member of the cast that's an issue. So. Oh, yeah, which was that's, a that's gone. Dean Kane. Oh, which was a I love that that's become a like, verb for me. Like, yeah, they went Dean Kane. <laughs> the thing is, we know what you mean. As soon as you say, it, "Oh, he went Dean Kane," oh no. <laughs> to be clear, Billy Zane didn't go Dean Kane, no, as far as I'm aware. No, uh, uh, the, it's, uh, the, uh, it's the, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's no, in the uh, in at the at the, at the time of this recording, uh, he hasn't done that. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I, I don't think he will. I don't get that vibe from Billy Zane. No, but anything else either, as far as we know. <laughs> <laughs> At time of recording, Billy Zane is cool. Yeah. Covering the bases there. My name is Xander Drax. What? X A N D E R D R A X. Xander Drax. Begins and ends with the letter X. From New York City. And you, sir, as long as we're making polite introductions and chit chat, who might you be? He is the great Kabai Seng, leader of the Seng Brotherhood, direct descendant of the evil Kabai Seng, first leader of the Seng Brotherhood. You're a long way from New York City. What brings you to this place? These brought me here. Skulls of Tuganda. And what do you know of such matters? Oh, I know all about these skulls and the power they contain. Once all three are united, the two I hold, and the one you have there. Look, oh great one. You know. I really wasn't in the market for a partner, but it seems to me that we have a mutually beneficial situation here. Think of it this way. You represent the old guard of grizzled scallywags and peg-leg peats, while I stand for the new order of things. Modern and up-to-date. Just the man to carry our cause into the 20th century. I know we sort of touched a little on the sequels and, mm. you know, we're glad they didn't happen. Yeah. But if they were to either do a sequel or do a new version of The Phantom, oh. what would you like to see? Oh. Who would you like to see as the Phantom? Okay, right. Let's 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 ask the first the first one. I think I would want it again set in the uh, at least in the thirties. You know, even though I was talking about the wide scope of where you could go um, story wise, I was kind of more referring to comics. But in TV or film, 
um, I would I'd want them to keep it in the 30s. Um, I'd probably want it to be again the 21st Phantom, um, like you know Kit Walker. Well, I mean I know they're all called Kit Walker, yeah. but um, but you know kind of, I guess kind of like a, a a a reboot of this kind of film, really. So in the same time period, really. Um, and I wouldn't, again, I, w- I wouldn't want them to make it too serious. I'd want them to kind of have it be that kind of more jovial kind of um, story again, but maybe a bit more fleshed out, yeah. maybe sort of not be beholden to that that kind of um, pulp template, but kind of do what they did in things like um, First Avenger, which was like keep that kind of spirit of the era but kind of still told a solid story where they fleshed characters out. We've got some development, you know, maybe see a bit of kit training, becoming the Phantom a little bit. I don't know, but in terms of who would play him, I don't know, man. Like, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, my brain goes to, um, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because I, I, I can't, I, I've never had to say his surname out loud, but the guy who basically plays superman in superman and lois um because i think um, it's tyler very... yeah yeah I, can. yeah I think it's very easy the eldest to... son from road to petition oh, i watched that film recently again uh i was sort of in cinema as well it's just beautiful anyway yeah. um i kind of look at phantom and superman and i kind of see a lot of cross you know yeah. the big jaw kind of squinted eyed superhero it's the kind of thing you could imagine somebody going chris pratt and I can kind of see it, but the problem with Chris Pratt now is that he's too Chris Pratty. No, you can't. You can't do that. It's no. like it'd be like Seth, it, it's but, very much that thing, isn't it? You can very much see him being put in that list. If it was a list from a studio, they'd be like, "This is a perfect Chris Pratt vehicle." Like, is it though? It'd be like Seth Rogen playing Green Hornet over again. I can't deal with that. Do you know it's, what I mean? It's like when everybody was pushing him to be the new Indiana Jones. Like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's like um, I like Chris Pratt. I like what he does in the Guardians, the Galaxy films. Yeah. It's all perfectly fine. You can take or leave Jurassic Park, the Jurassic World ones, but you know, you know what? I, he's, I he's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, do you know what? I would say, get an unknown guy, like mid twenties, give someone a chance to be a superhero in a movie, cast like a really famous person to play the villain. You know, it'd be the perfect was, role for somebody making that jump from. TV. TV, yes, a hundred percent, absolutely. But like I say, do what they did with the, do what like Richard Donner did with the first Superman movie. Get yourself a person who's relatively unknown, but then put a heavyweight in there as like the villain um to kind of be the ten pole name. Yeah, and I then mean, Phantom's dad is another one where you could get like a yeah, for example, an Anthony Hopkins kind of a bit oh, like they did with Zorro. That'd be that would be immense. You know, that kind of that kind of thing there. Yeah. Give someone fresh a chance, throw it in there and uh, and give it. But you know what? This might be controversial. I really hope it isn't. But I could also see them doing the same thing again. But like putting a woman. Yeah. Be the Phantom. And I'd be down with that. Like you could definitely do that. Like why? You just, you know, um, change. I think it would work with an actor of color as well. Oh, completely. Completely, in a way, I think there's more sense. a really interesting sort of way to go with the character, and it's not because you know he's in Africa. 
well that's what i'm saying it's it's it, in a way we can make more if people. anything that's part of the problem some people have with the character is it it's the white savior model kind well of thing. that's that's it isn't it and in a way it's 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 that sort of product of the 30s isn't it that's kind i think of that's the, why the film would be a difficult sell now as well well that's i think that's one of the downsides of not changing that much of the formula yeah. since lethal created it because there are things that he did in you could do in the 30s and that were thought of immediately in the 30s that just aren't now like you yeah. say the white savior idea of this you know uh westerner white westerner you know getting basically creating a you know uh, their own dynasty in a in an Af- in an african country um and just sort of becoming this mythological like figure <laughs> And you just think you, when you say it out loud, it just sounds completely insane um, <laughs> because you just think, you know, no. <laughs> I mean, in theory, when you look at like Black Panther, that there, that's yeah. kind of like what really kind of the Phantom would be. Do you know what I mean? That kind of idea. So I think you're absolutely I think right. That's possibly the only way you could do a film now is and, sort of a Black Panther version of the Phantom, just a bit. Not that Black Panther wasn't a fun film, but. Oh yeah, no, I, I, a, a light-hearted Black Panther. And yeah. again, that's not to say that Black Panther is a heavy movie because it's not. I see what you mean. No, if but I would say what you just said there, what, the, the tone of Black Panther, it had humour, but yeah. it had stakes, um, and it had a good story. It had it had like you know um, good history because again, the lineage is there. Like his father was Black Panther before him. You know, you've got that same sort of um, legacy idea right there. So. Yeah, actually, we kind of did get a Phantom. Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> and in fact, like in a way, a lot, a lot better um, <laughs> in a lot of ways because it made more sense um, to go with people from, you know, from the like from that area that, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, cool, we got one. Uh, we don't need another one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that would probably be the way to do it because I think you're right. Um, that whole aspect of uh, the white savior angle is probably problematic yeah um i mean short of them doing a full-on defenders of the earth movie i can't imagine we'll get another phantom movie like i say not without some real changes and with black panther being out there what's the point yeah i think <laughs> you, we've, you we've, would just be a black panther knockoff unfortunately you'd have and, the john Carter of mars syndrome wouldn't you of like <sighs> you may have been the ones who did this originally but and you know adapted it for a modern audience but it still just feels like a rip-off of this thing yeah yeah that was a film that did not deserve to fail no i really like that film i love that i you know i've not met anybody that didn't i've not met anybody who watched uh john carter uh who who watched it and didn't enjoy it but obviously not enough people went to see it i think that was no and that's the kind of frustrating thing is that it does sort of i mean it ends on a satisfying ending but at the same time it's also so open-ended that they thought they were going to get another one well it's that it's that thing isn't it that the the uh it's almost a a kiss of death now isn't it yeah. the idea of you know if you try and set i mean it was the same with he-man wasn't it masters of the universe with all the yeah. skeletal popping up going i'm gonna i'm you know not see the last of me well actually we have um because <laughs> um, your sequel's going to become cyborg <laughs> <laughs> or Mark Strong, you know, in the post credit scene of uh, Green Lantern putting on the yellow ring and becoming, you know, yet you know, the Sinestro of the yellow ring and he's just like, Yeah, you're not we're not seeing you again. It's not It was a weird time for Disney actually, because you had that and you had Tomorrowland around the same time. I thought Tomorrowland was a really good film. Yeah, both of them were really good films, but But just 
I think because they weren't Marvel or Fast and Furious or fitted into that mold. Oh, that's it, isn't it? That's it. It's like um, with it's almost like with these with, with Marvel things like that. There's this with Star Wars, for example, like they have these trusted brands that people will go and see it and they'll see aliens and they'll see things that they're not necessarily into because they're not sci-fi fans or whatever and they'll just accept it because they're like it's Marvel, so it's a trusted brand. But when you've got someone like John Carter who's like you know been around forever but yeah. like people just don't know it in the you know in the in the general um consciousness shall we say um people are just like why do i care about and not you know this this 19th century guy going to mars and hanging out with these martians like why should yeah, I what looks like a star wars ripoff yeah <laughs> you're just like yeah i get that i understand the i would understand that but i mean i love it <laughs> yeah it's great but yeah it's 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 a shame that brand recognition is such a powerful tool you know it's, yeah like i say i think that's what would befall the phantom if they made a movie now i agree i actually agree um which is which is fine because which again if you can't fit it in dc or marvel then people are just can't it's, it's nothing then <laughs> yeah yeah, it's fine because we've got the Billy Zane film, so it's fine. Yeah. Let's go watch it, everyone. If you've not and seen it, it still looks surprisingly good. Surprising. I think because it's, it's got that thing that all of these pulp movies have is because they're set in the 30s, they have a weird timeless feel to them with regard to when they look like they were made. 100%. I mean, some of the special effects are a bit off yeah. the time, but... Can't can't be dated uh, technologically if you're already dated when you're making it. You know what I mean? It's, it's not yeah. like anybody whips out a Motorola, Motorola flip phone or anything. Well, this is this is exactly what I'm saying. It's like that's the, always the thing that cracks me up when I go back and watch like the Christopher Eccleston or the David Tennant series of Doctor Who. It's like, I'm really into this, and then the technology comes out. It's like, oh fuck, I feel old. <laughs> but that was one of the genius things about uh, like, <laughs> you know, I knew I was going to bring it back to it, but uh, Batman the animated series, you know, yeah. they were just like, we're going to set this in this, um, like the whole the whole design aspect was, uh, what if the World's Fair never stopped? Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's it's kind the- of what Burton did with the films as well, isn't it? Because yeah. they're sort of set in this weird never time. Yeah, and it and it it, it kind of remains timeless and and doesn't age in a lot of ways. And, and and that's wonderful and that's wonderful but like i say with films like the phantom it was or indiana jones or anything like that you know set in the 30s already so even when it came out it was it, all the technology was obsolete so yeah even when you're watching it now in 2021 you know um it's like cool <laughs> you know there's, there's no like you say there's no flip phones there's no internet there's no there's, there's nothing that makes you look at that and go Ooh. uh yeah yeah <laughs> Whereas, whereas the 2008 Phantom TV thing, or 2009, wherever it was, is full of it, and it's awful. <laughs> I just whip out my laptop that's the size of a bookcase. <laughs> just, just bad, just bad. Yeah, like I say, I've not had the pleasure. I've, all my Phantom memories are either animated or Billy Zane fresh. So yeah, you should do that. You should keep it that way, man. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the intention, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose there's potential for a decent Phantom TV series, but again, man, I I'm think not sure the longevity of it. No, again, though, we're we're talking the same thing about people just look at it and go, "Yeah, it's just a crap Black Panther." Yeah. Um, and I think you're right in that respect. Um, I think you, you really hit it with that. Um, the fact that this property now with Marvel, this giant titan of a 
brand and doing it so well and 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 you know making a great you know telling great stories and stuff like that people are just going to go oh it's a little bit and it will just highlight some of the things that maybe they shouldn't do anymore um yeah yeah no i think i mean sort of final thoughts on the phantom I mean, yeah for me i think if you go into it prepared to enjoy it for what it is yes. i think you'll have a really good time um i think yeah if you if you go into it looking to overanalyze it and deconstruct it yeah i mean this is i mean this it is you're not going to enjoy it at all it's and got, it's short as well it's a surprisingly it, brisk yeah it gets to it it doesn't it's, it's, it's got cheesy dialogue it's got fairly one-dimensional kind of supporting characters um but it doesn't mess around it's got it gets straight to it because like you say it's pretty brisk it does there's a lot in there for what it is but it doesn't overload you and it's fun it's a yeah. fun movie and it's and i and yeah it's fun it's it's, yeah, it's it's the right kind of cheesy yeah absolutely history is about to be made and you're all a part of it not an equal part of course but an important part nonetheless as uh, regular listeners know, I like to end this with guests that I've been on before with the Bernard Pivo questions from uh, Inside the Actors Studio, or made famous by Inside the Actors Studio. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get my James Lipton on. Go for and, it. Uh, if you don't mind answering the questions. Not at all. Go for it. So uh, what is your favourite word? Oh, I don't know. I probably like something like flummox. Nice. Something like that. Something that's fun to say, you know. Uh, yeah, let's go with that flummox. I like it. <laughs> What is your least favourite word? Ooh. Uh, can I go with a phrase? Yeah. Fake news. Hate it. Makes me grind my teeth when anyone says it. Hate it. I just turn off. Or virtue signalling. Those yeah. two things. Just straight off. I think I'm throw <laughs> snowflake in with that as well. Oh, God. Yeah, there you go. It's, I mean, <laughs> wonderful when used in the correct terminology of look at this beautiful snowflake that fell yeah. down from the sky when yeah. it's used as a derogatory it's it's, it's just no. so many like sjw's and all that crap oh i don't oh, here we go it's another one boils <laughs> my blood <laughs> indeed what turns you on either professionally or okay creatively oh. or... um fun stories. yeah i don't want to be like you know well, no 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 like I fun, <laughs> fun stories and passionate creators and I mean anything like yeah. I work at a university, like an art school. And even if it's like a a, a a discipline that I have no interest in. So I used to teach like fashion students software. So I used to teach them like Photoshop, Illustrator, that kind of thing. I had no interest in fashion whatsoever, but I absolutely loved their passion. Like I just I dug it. You know, they they yeah. lived it. They breathed it. And I, I that turns me on creativity, creative people that love what they do no matter what and are unapologetic about it like i love that yeah i'm 100 with you on that i can watch an interview about anything if the person is passionate about it i might not follow it i yeah. might not even engage particularly with it but if there's a they've got a passion for it yeah you know as long as it's not like you know evil nazi memorabilia or <laughs> exactly yeah yeah that kind of thing but what turns you off those words that i um that I just said, those kind of phrases, people that use them in, yeah. in all honesty, um, closed mindedness, people that, you know, feel the need to control things and, and, and kind of put labels on things and, and uh, make people feel bad about the work that they do because it's not good enough or anything like that. Um, yeah, 
that kind of thing turns me right off. Yeah, I mean, it's a major factor in the Dianara conversation as well. Yeah. Once upon a time, you could have different opinions and have a conversation about it, but yeah, you can't anymore. So, I, yeah, 100% with you on that one. Um, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, what sound noise do I love? That's a really... I like it when a uh, toaster pops. <laughs> I don't know why. I always do. I don't know. It's because maybe I love toast. Um, I love it's that. It's because that's the longest two minutes of your life where you're yeah. part of the box. <laughs> oh, here's a really random noise. Here's a really random noise that I love. My car, when I put the handbrake on, it's like this mechanical handbrake thing now. It's like a little, little. it's not It's not like a traditional handbrake. It's like this little lever that you just kind of pop up. And it may, when it goes on, it sounds like my, my, my car's about to transform nice and it's just like it's amazing it's just a great sound i love it it's so weird but i love it <laughs> i can 100 get behind that for the longest time one of my favorite noises was the noise that the doors make when they slide open in next generation oh, that too all those noises in in star trek all it's just yeah. it's a noise that lets you know it's happening but it's such a clean ambient noise i just I, love it it's really weird and people have looked at me like i'm fucking mental <laughs> I, I, i'm not saying that i sometimes make that noise to myself when i go through a automatic door but I, I, I definitely don't do that either i definitely don't do that <laughs> i also don't wave my hand like a magneto sometimes <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't do that either <laughs> uh what sound or noise do you hate i mean obviously the obvious things like uh uh, chalkboard you know being scratched things like that um yeah i'll probably have to go with that really that's the only one i can really come to mind that i just can't ugh, you know what i mean yeah. makes my teeth hurt it's a classic <laughs> but it's the classic for a reason this is the big one what's your favorite curse word i don't really feel like i should say it you can say i can edit it out if it's <laughs> Oh no, people are gonna hate me. Um, I, 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 I kind of like the c word. Yeah, that's. I'm not gonna say it. Um, because I do understand people, um, don't like it, and I do try and res- I don't say it out and about because I know that people um don't like it, but in a way that's part of the reason why I do. It's um, one of those words that is perfectly punctuated when used correctly. Yeah. Um, I just think there's just something about it. Um, and like I say, I don't go off and around. I say it, like say it everywhere. I don't do that because I can understand. I try and respect people like this. People who don't like it, but um, sometimes it's just yeah. When you hear it in a TV show said and something like that, you're like, yeah, that was well said. <laughs> That's the word that got me the biggest telling off I ever had from my mum because my brother pushed me over and I wasn't thinking, <laughs> and I just called him one. <laughs> I, uh, I did it in a shot on my mum. Of course, that was the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that forbidden word, and you're just it is. That, but like you say, there's there's got some letters in there and some sounds that if it's said right, you're just like, well played. <laughs> it is. It's like the verbal equivalent of being punched in the gut, isn't it? it if is. it's delivered right. It is. It is. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, that's a tough one as well. Um, I keep thinking of things creatively, really. Um. I always kind of like the idea of being a car mechanic, which is weird. I think it's because I always do things with my hands because yeah. you know, I'm a wheelchair user. So I'm yeah. always use my hands. But just the idea of doing anything with my hands and, and I have no interest in cars. It's really weird. But just the idea of like fixing things or putting things together with my hands. It's, um, it's that romanticism of tinkering, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'd love I don't know if I'd be any good at it. But yeah, that there's something about that that I'd always thought maybe I would 
not like to have had a go at if I wasn't in my own work. But yeah, yeah, it's one of those things I always lift up because um, being a postie, you have to check your van. Yeah. Once a week, you have to do an under the bonnet check. It's one of those things where I like, open it and I'm like, I could be a mechanic. What the <laughs> fuck is all this shit? <laughs> yeah. It's like I know where the oil is and I know where the other things I need to check are. Although from van to van, you can't always find them. So you have to get somebody over and be like, not to be stupid, but where's the uh, screen wash in this one? Yeah, I, I can't even look in my car, man. Like, I'm just too short. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what profession would you not like to do? I wouldn't want to be um, like a, a, a rubbish collector. And it's simply because I think what those guys do the, every week when they pick up people's rubbish and stuff like that, I'm just like, it could be anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I'm, I was like, I've got so much mad respect for it. Cause it's just like, because I, I see them every week. So my, my daughter's obsessed with it. Where whenever the, 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 the rubbish man comes around, she's like, I'm like up at the window, up on this little stool, looking at him, waving at him. She loves it. Um, she gets quite cross at me because I, they leave and I can't bring them back. Um, so I, I'm there and you, you see them kind of you know, picking up people's rubbish and all this other stuff. And you just think, like I say, that's, you know, it's, it could be gross. It could be whatever. And they just, you know, it's, it's, it's a job, obviously, but, I just can't. I don't think I could do it. It's just, it's, it, I don't think I could deal with the uh, um, the randomness of the things that could be in there. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, you know, full props to them. It's it's the danger of not knowing which bag's going to split on you and what's in it if it happens. Exactly. Exactly. I just don't think I could deal with the the the, the not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Never never know what you're going to get covered in today. <laughs> exactly, man. Like fair play to them. It was always one of the worst things about working in somewhere like Tesco's when you had to throw yogurt away in that. Oh, yeah. So as best as you try, you'd get splashback. <laughs> yeah, same as that, man. Wouldn't want to do that either. Could just, couldn't. Nah. It's like grim and horrible. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Um, the last question. If heaven exists, what would you mm-hmm. like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm at pearly gates. I was, he was just like... Uh, you did all right. Nice, nice. Well done. You did okay. You weren't evil. Come on. <laughs> um, you know, you were just you, and that's fine. You weren't mean. You were just, you just, you were you, and that's good enough for me. Come on in. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, sort of being you and being nice. Then, where can people find you online? And you know, Ooh. what have you got coming up? Working okay. on more Captain Cosmic and yeah, okay. Uh, so you can find me online on Twitter and on Instagram, same handle, um, Andy W Clift. So C L I F T, same handle for both. Um, or awclift.co.uk for my my work. Um, you can it's out of stock at the moment, but you can actually get my stuff on uh, buysmallpress.com which is that really awesome um, website for, you know, online store for, for small press. There's loads of awesome books on there as well. So like it's totally worth just going on there and just searching for anything. It's, it's awesome. Um, and what have I got coming up? Oh, um, well, I'm working on Captain Cosmic 4, which is well behind. <laughs> um, I'm also doing some animated work on a show called Ed's World, which is probably the first time I've actually said it to anyone <laughs> um 
which is cool, which is an, uh, an, an, an online animated show that you, you can find on YouTube and has been around forever. Uh, a friend of mine, um, he, he's been working on it forever as well, and he asked me to come on board and co-write the latest episode, and I'm doing storyboards for it. And, uh, and I'm a trained animator, so it's nice to be back in animation. And hopefully that that episode will be out in the next month or so. So that's basically it, really. <laughs> it's taking up all my time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, cheers for doing this. Um, I'll put all the links in the show notes and everything. Brilliant. So, uh, people will be able to find you online and the like. Uh, Thank you. So cool. And yeah, cheers for that. Cheers for talking Phantom. Oh, mate. Anytime. Anytime. I love that film, and I will talk anyone's ear off about it. Awesome. Might have to get you on to do Star Trek at some point. Dude, I will literally talk about any Star Trek, anytime, <laughs> anywhere, awesome. any of it. <laughs> Sweet. Cool. Cool. Cheers, Andy. No worries. Thanks, man. Before I go, take off your mask. Let me see your face. Kit. You know, I'm not really permitted to reveal all of my secrets, Diana. You're not? Actually, I am. That's only to one person. Who's that? Uh, The woman I intend to marry. What if she refuses you? No one refuses the Phantom. And that was the Phantom. Uh, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Andy for joining me to talk about um, the Phantom. Uh, really enjoyed it um, if you've got some thoughts on the Phantom or the episode in general and you'd like to share them please leave a comment on our socials or on the Podbean page or wherever you found this episode uh, we'd love to hear from you and we love reading them uh, I'll post the links in the show notes so you can find us by searching the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves on Twitter and Facebook uh, we also have an Am Why Not group page on Facebook where you can join in the film discussion if you fancy getting involved um, I'll also post all the links to Andy and his work so you can find him online they'll all be in the show notes with all the other links uh thank you again for listening this has been a nerds who haunt themselves production and i've been Stuart moraine join me again next week when i'll be joined by barry nugent to talk about the 1991 classic the rocketeer thanks for listening bye